one custom car care. All right, good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Definitely a lot of things going on. Uh, Sarah, you have basically said that maybe you're kind of somewhat done with summer and maybe looking forward to fall. Fall, baby! <laughs> you, that's that's your favorite season out there I is fall. I love fall. Yes, I actually went Halloween uh, decoration <gasps> Halloween? shopping. Yes. Very excited. It'll be the set, the second uh, Halloween for the little one. I don't know what we're going to dress up Are as. Are going to dress yes. him up as something corny? No. Like a pumpkin? No, or... no. Last year, <laughs> he was... Um, Oh, shoot. What was he? He was the Pillsbury Doughboy. Oh, that would have been a good one. Yeah. I was just thinking you should do, I don't remember what they're called, but the original Star Wars, when he's small, the little, like, they look like the little bears that saved uh the day. I can't think of what the heck they're called. I know what you're talking about. Uh, But that would be a good one. Yeah. Of course, I'm kind of a Star Wars junkie, nerd, Yeah. whatever. See, I don't know. I was thinking, um, I saw a really cute one last year when I was looking up ideas, and they had the, uh, the Mr. Clean you oh, know, yeah. You know, Mr. Clean, yeah. Mr. Clean. He's yeah. the bald man. So. Uh-huh. So I saw that as a, a really cute idea, but I don't know what we're going to do. We always dress up as a family. So mm-hmm. last year when he was the Pillsbury Doughboy, Ryan was Chef Boyardee, and I was Betty, <laughs> Betty Crocker. Chef Boyardee. Leave it to Ryan to be Chef Boyardee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were Betty Crocker? Is uh-huh. that what you were? Yep. We did, uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but we all dressed up as scarecrows. Nice. We were all three scarecrows. That was the first time I've dressed up in a long time. I love Halloween. It's one of it my is favorites. A, it is a good one. So that fun. Is a very joyous, typically, time, you know. And it's not like, you know, Christmas where it costs you a billion dollars. You know, you kind of, well, I mean, I guess it can, but. Yeah, if you live in Roundtree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of those folks go all out. And yeah, I appreciate they get the all the work. candy bars. <laughs> Definitely. But uh, definitely fall, I think, hopefully is going to be a very welcome season. I hope it hangs out a while. Are you going to put a prediction out there of whether, you know, we're going to have a hard winter? You know, we do that normally we have We a need show. a persimmon tree. We do. We're going to need some persimmon seeds here going into winter. Um, so we pulled some last year and what was it? It was a it fork. Was, yeah, it was like right. a spork almost. Yes, that yeah. is, it was almost that. And really the winter kind of reflected that, if you will. So we did get some snow. I pushed some snow last year, uh, which I enjoy, by the way. I do like the snow. This year I'm stepping up my snow pushing game. Uh, I have the last several years. Let's see, how long have I had that? Probably seven or eight years now. I push all the snow for our stores with a four-wheeler and a directional plow. And it actually works really, really well. And I know it's been 100-plus degrees out recently, but and we're talking about snow. This year, I'm up in my game, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I found a F-350 four-wheel drive dually that had a blown motor, had a giant hole in the side of the engine block. But... I was able to get a good used engine, get it installed, rehab the truck. I'm still in the midst of rehabbing some of the truck now. Uh, but my goal is to, this winter, it came with a snow plow. So I'm hoping to be able to push snow from a heated cab. That would be awesome. If anybody out there has ever pushed snow, let alone push snow in an open air cab or four-wheeler in this case, um, definitely looking forward to that. It probably kind of gives me a little bit of a, a segue into we have been seeing and doing and rehabbing quite a few older vehicles lately. And we've been having people, I don't want to say ship vehicles to us, 
Um, but I've been arranging some transport on certain applications. Basically, once I go through and have a discussion with the customer of how, what their expectation of the vehicle and the repair is. And <clears throat> I think probably the farthest I've had a vehicle brought to A1 is probably 100 to 150 mile radius. Um, we've done actually several here recently where, you know, I'm not sure quite how they heard of us or, or the word got out. But we have had some calls coming out of uh, northwest Arkansas. Um, I saw some that had commuted out of Kansas. And then obviously um, not a whole lot of Oklahoma yet at this point, but uh, several from northern Missouri, southern central Missouri, um, out eastern Missouri. So we're seeing situations, and I'll give you a couple examples here. We had a, uh, it was a Dodge Dakota, really nice little rig. Um, needed a significant amount of work, had some drivability issues that we weren't able to, or the customer wasn't able to get answers um, out of, uh, you know, NWA Arkansas. And so they arranged, we got the vehicle brought in on trailer, got it to Darren, he diagnosed it, went over everything with the customer and delivered it back down there to them. So um, it was one of those things that, uh, I thought it was just kind of a fluke, but within that very same week, we got a call from somebody that was in the same vicinity there up to our sunset location, and they have a hybrid escape, and we were able to see they had taken it to several shops down there as well as the, the local Ford dealer, and they weren't able to get to the bottom of what was going on. They threw some parts at it. They made some recommendations. They went through some different things, but they happened to call Annie over there at our sunset shop and got her on the phone. So she kind of came to me and said, Hey, you know, I'd like to help these folks out. Um, we've set a good expectation of, you know, if this is, you know, something you think is going to be a very easy, simple, low inexpensive repair, it really wouldn't worth having it on a transport up to us. And so she was able to have that discussion with the customer. They're like, no, we love our escape. It was a hybrid. Um, we're having hybrid issues. We're having brake control issues. Um, the vehicle's not running or operational at that point. So we ended up getting the transport to bring it to us. Darren worked it over uh, as far as the checkout and testing part of it and gave them a very good comprehensive health report of the vehicle. And so why in the world does this matter to any of you out there? Well, I'm seeing this start to become a very strong trend. Um, I talked, I think, in a previous show that there's a lot of long-term shops that cannot find or, or build or attract or staff their facility. And so they have been wonderful shops for decades, but they're closing the doors because they don't, you know, they've put their time in. It's time for them to retire and reap some of the rewards of all the hard uh, fought years that they have been doing what they're doing. So what do, what do I mean by this? Well, the reason that I feel like a lot of these folks are reaching out, you know, a hundred plus miles is because we're able to work through a lot of these problems that they're not getting satisfaction on at their local facilities, as well as they're wanting to keep the vehicles and invest in the vehicles that they own and are paid off. Most of all these that I'm talking about have been paid off vehicles that they're wanting to get more miles out of them. So we have several car lines. I mean, we work on most makes and most models. I don't do a lot of European work. Not that I can't. I choose not to because we're darn good at a lot of the other things, Asian and domestic in particular. 
But I have several technicians, me included, that specialize in re mechanically rehabbing a vehicle. So I'll give you a couple instances. So Darren has been amazing on this hybrid for Escape. He's done a hybrid Toyota here recently. He was able to rehab it, get it back out on the road for many more dependable miles. Now, the man is uh, very capable of many skills. Um, as I move across the shop, we've got Harlan, who's got almost 50 years of experience. He rehabbed a Ford Excursion here a couple of weeks ago that had some significant mice and rodent damage and was able to get that vehicle back on the road where a lot of folks would have just dipped out or not seen it all the way through and then going forward. So we've got a fairly new person to us, but uh, has been in the industry a very long time and is amazing at what he does. Charles works in between um, Harland and Darren there at our Sunset location. Guy is a wealth of knowledge, and I'm still learning a lot of what he is uh, very knowledgeable about. But he has been amazing on a lot of our import cars. He's done some EcoBoost F-150 work for us that has been top shelf um, for actually a very good friend of mine. We pulled the cab off. We had some cylinder head issues, able to get the cylinder head sent off, get that fixed, get it reassembled, head studded it. Um, so if you've got a vehicle that you know, you're looking to invest in, we have got, and I'll probably direct you depending on the vehicle to who it is, a very deep um, bench, if you will, of folks that we can turn to that are amazing on certain makes and models. So my particular in uh, specialty is probably the F-150 chassis. I am doggone good at those. If you've got a Chevy, very, very good at those. And even for our Dodge folks out there, they spend a lot of time in their bays. I'm very good at working through those. So we got a wealth of folks. But Sarah and I need to step into a break. You're listening to Springfield's Talk 1041 KSGF. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back, Sarah and Dustin. A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, what are we talking about? You got some Boy, stories. Boy, I got there. all kinds of stuff. Okay. You do. So I've got some crime. I've got some California. Let's talk about the crime. Okay. I shouldn't be excited. Let's talk about the crime. Okay. Fox News. <laughs> Tech savvy thieves Ooh. using Bluetooth mm. to decide which cars are worth breaking into. Wow. Have you heard oh, of this? No, I have not. I mean, I've heard of Bluetooth, but. So this is something new that's kind of sweeping the waves in California. Golly. And I had not heard of it. And it's probably going to be a how-to TikTok out there. I know. And well, and that's kind of my predicament was I, I printed this out and I thought, do I really want to read this? You know, I but, think about that a lot. Yeah. But I don't think losers listen to our show. I, I don't think losers do either. <laughs> you guys aren't losers out there. <laughs> but I do want to make people aware because yeah. it is kind of starting to sweep the nation. And uh. it's better to be prepared oh, for yeah. this than to become a victim. Mm -hmm. And then think, I wish somebody had reported on yeah. this. Because not knowing doesn't make it any better. Right. Yep. So it's better to be prepared for this. So the story reads, car owners who travel with portable devices should make sure they never leave their electronics behind or else the risk the chance of 
a vehicle break-in. The Livermore Police Department in California issued a public safety announcement this month to alert residents that thieves in the San Francisco Bay Area are using cell phones and Bluetooth scanning apps to find devices that are left in cars. Now, Sergeant Tim Lindman, he said, if you have an electronic device in your vehicle that's equipped with Bluetooth, say it could be a smartphone or maybe a laptop computer, thieves can use their regular smartphones, sometimes equipped with an application or even just the device itself to target that vehicle and find those devices. Hmm. Lindman added that Bluetooth-enabled devices can detect other Bluetooth devices when they're in range of each other, and it works even when a hidden device is left on a sleeping mode setting. Wow. Thieves can generally determine the exact location of a hidden Bluetooth device by analyzing the strength of the Bluetooth connection, which can be done manually when searching with a cell phone in hand or the use of a bluetooth scanning app wow basically to summarize the rest of this mm-hmm. is that these thieves typically at nighttime they're going up to vehicles most of the time it's at resident areas you mm-hmm. know apartment complexes things like that where they're not in sight and then they will just hold their phone up to the vehicle to check the strength of the the vehicle's bluetooth if there's a bluetooth device in there and then they just break in Wow. I know. So, you know, now that you have read that story, I usually run like an earpiece Mm -hmm. and I listen to a lot of my books on tape or music or whatever. And in pairing multiple Bluetooth earpieces, because they go dead and I want to keep listening to whatever I was, I have noticed that exact thing. And I always disregard it because, I mean, I don't guess I am looking for, you know, avenues for nefarious actions and but i i have seen and done essentially not so i could steal things but just like oh there's another device such and such here somewhere right and i you know i don't even think anything about it but the fact that people work that hard at being losers and stealing other people's hard fought property you know you think of how many hours you had to trade for say a laptop Mm -hmm. you know that you know the money part of it I'm not saying is not, um, you know, a factor. It definitely is. It hacks me off when people steal things. But when I kind of backwards engineer that thought process and I think, okay, that laptop was say 800 bucks. Well, how many hours of my life did I trade for $800 to buy that laptop? Right. That's a lot of time for yeah. pretty much anybody out there. Now, if you, you know, if you won the lottery or whatever, you really didn't, you know, that didn't cost you two weeks of your life to be able to pay for that laptop or whatever. I'm just filling in the blank here, but that really, um, you know, kind of chaps my butt there a little bit. Right. So Lindman, he's the sergeant that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. He says, of course, the best practice would, of course, not be able to leave any electronics in your vehicle at all. But if you have to make sure that they are completely powered off. He also made the comment that he's not sure if these Bluetooth scanning methods are making their way out of California. Mm -hmm. But Fox News, they cited that uh, the end of 2022, early 23, that Texas was also having the same issue, Mm -hmm. both in Houston and in Dallas. So it does seem to be spreading. So it'll be coming to the Midwest and a small town near you soon. Disappointing. Do you want to continue with California? 
Well, why not? We're already <laughs> bummed out. Let's see what else. California's so I thought this got. was kind of interesting. So and maybe this is more common with bigger cities. We just don't typically see it. But mm-hmm. in a lot of bigger cities, especially in California, they have driverless cars mm-hmm. and they now have decided that they are going to try to do some regulation on those vehicles because uh, the California DMV requests that the cruises, that's what they're called as these driverless Mm -hmm. cars, called cruises, to half driverless cars fleets after a collision with a fire truck in San Francisco. Can you imagine? So Cruise, the autonomous vehicle operator owned by General Motors, Mm -hmm. has been asked by the California Department of Motor Vehicles to have its operations in San Francisco following a crash into an emergency vehicle. Mm. The DMV is in contact with Cruise and law enforcement officials to determine the facts and requested Cruise to immediately reduce its active fleet until the investigation is complete and Cruise takes appropriate corrective actions to improve road safety. That was a a statement from the California DMV. What happened was authorities said that the fire truck was in a code three emergency mode, which means its red lights and sirens were activated at the time of the crash. The autonomous taxi had one passenger inside who was taken to a local hospital with injuries that are not considered life threatening. A video on social media showed the aftermath of the crash with the cruise taxi smashed from the impact of the collision with large fire trucks. You know, that would be kind of a scary situation. Yeah. You have these driverless cars on the road and... Um, Not yielding to emergency response. I don't know how they even really work. Hmm. I, and, you know, maybe I should have done some research on how they work, but how do they know how to yield, especially when it comes to, like, emergency vehicles? Well, I know from, you know, A1 Custom, we are able to do ADOS calibrations, which is uh-huh. advanced driver assist system. And they're learning all the time, and they have cameras and radar and sonar, et cetera, that are looking at its surroundings. But they get and they learn where the traffic is. They learn where the stoplights, stop signs, roundabouts, et cetera. It learns all that. But what I don't think that it has really been able to overcome is those unexpected events. So like where you and I would be driving and we would see like a bicyclist, hopefully we would be able to see it, you know, out of our peripheral or whatever that's going to pop out in front of us very quickly. If you are paying attention and you don't have a lot of distractions, you're going to be able to react. Bam. Now, the ADOS or autonomous or advanced driver assist system It is able to monitor certain things, but it can't react quickly enough, in my opinion. Right. It can do adaptive cruise control, adaptive braking. It can stop or or see things, but it doesn't replace an operator. And I think that's a clear, in my humble opinion, example that it encountered something that it wasn't used to and it didn't know how to deal with it. So we had a collision. Right. And, you know, this is the most interesting thing. So at the end of the article, they have this little area where you can have a conversation. And so you can, like, type in your comments and things like that. So one of the things that somebody said was they quoted a portion of this article. One of our cars entered the intersection on a green light and was struck by an emergency vehicle. So the fire truck had the red light. Well, it doesn't matter if they had the red light. If they were in a code, what was it, code three emergency? So if I'm in the code three emergency, I want them running the red lights getting to me or my loved one. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I saw a video the other day, 
and it didn't disclose what country, but it was a country over in Europe, I think. And they they cited how much of a courteous country this was. And if anybody out there knows which country or has heard of this story, please give us some feedback here at the station. But instead of us to where we pull over to, this was on a dual lane divided highway, so four lanes, their procedure for emergency response, and you could see it was a big traffic jam, everybody pulled to the outside and the inside, so the inside shoulder and the outside shoulder, mm. and they left the entire center road open for EMS, emergency response vehicles. And the video was the entire group of folks got on board. They all pulled out of the way. They left the center highway open. And they had an ambulance hauling big time, which thankfully, if I'm in that and they're coming to see me or one of my loved ones, I just thought it was awesome that the whole country or everybody involved in that traffic jam knew what to do. They got the heck out of the way. They didn't rubberneck. And they allowed people to get the first responders that they needed as quickly as possible. I cannot stress that enough. And it just made me really think. And now, you know, we pull to the shoulder and allow people. I, I realize, but not everybody does that. And then even if on you're on the oncoming lanes, people got a rubberneck and not pay attention and create even more accidents. So... Yeah, do I want to look and see what's going on when I go by? Sure, I'm very curious about what happened. Hopefully everybody's all right. But I consciously make an effort to pay attention to all the yahoos around me, watch for them doing stupid things, rubbernecking at what's going on, and I get through the situation as quickly and non-disruptive uh, as possible. I think that just makes sense. But... After that soapbox rant, Sarah and I are going to take a break. You're listening to Springfield's Talk, 104.1 KSGF. We'll be right back after this. For complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back. You got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. You think we picked on California enough yet? I think so. I think we can. You know, they ask for it, though. <laughs> they really I do. I mean, they, you know, come on, folks. Get it together. What else you got over there? You got some more stores. I do. I got some sad news uh -oh. here. Okay. So for price conscious shoppers hoping to score a deal mm. on a vehicle for under $20,000, that's not going to happen. Because under twenty. Let me make sure we. this is the story. Mm -hmm. Under $20,000. That's not going to happen anymore because not, not... we have just one option now. $20,000. The Mitsubishi Mirage. Is the only vehicle that's new on the market that's under twenty thousand. Which is a disposable car. Yeah. That is a temporary car. You buy it for what, probably eighteen, nineteen grand. Mm. And if you get hundred and fifty thousand, depending on how long that takes you, that vehicle will pretty much be used up and will no longer make sense to do any large repairs to it because of the cost associated with it. So that's probably like if say you drive you know, what, 20,000 miles a year? Do you think you drive? How many miles a year do you think you drive, Sarah? 
that's a really good question. I do drive a lot. I live out in mm-hmm. the country, and so we do a lot of driving. Plus, that is kind of, it's not anymore, but that would be kind of our, like, Sunday fun thing, you uh-huh. know? Sometimes we would always, you know, just travel around yeah. the state, you know, take an hour road trip. For sure. We haven't done that as much anymore mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, gas prices yeah. and the economy. But nonetheless, uh, prob- I probably do drive about 20,000 miles a year. I'd say I'm at least in that ballpark. Sometimes years may end up being more like 30, but, uh, you know, that doesn't give you a lot of years with that car. That barely makes it to pay off. It's almost right. like it's a, you know, like you pay on your cell phone, and then by the time you pay the cell phone off, it's so obsolete that you get right back on another cell phone payment again. Yep. I can't tell you how many times I've done that, and I'm trying to just be happy with the phone that I got now, but... The new ones constantly outpace, you know, and don't keep up with the old ones. So there's little to no value by the time that car or phone, in this case, is paid off. Mm. It's crazy. So the Mitsubishi Mirage, it was, it's listed at $19,205. That is according to last month. Dang. Uh, but the average price for a vehicle is now $48,000. Hmm. That is 25% more than before the pandemic struck three years ago. Wow. Now, the analyst over at uh, Cox Automotive, she said that she thinks that the sale of Mirage would be stronger if customers knew about it. What do you think? I am not a big Mitsubishi fan out there. I do not like a lot of their engineering practices. Um, Have I seen some good ones? Yes. I'm not trying to pick on all of them. Um, I, their styling just doesn't fit me well. Mm. Um, and the longevity, it's just not been a vehicle as well as getting parts and aftermarket support or even OE level support or original equipment support has been very spotty. So that would not be, I, I would, I would personally recommend that you spend a little bit more money and get something that's going to get you, um, more years of service, for lack yeah. of a better way to put it. Now, I thought this was kind of interesting. So she also said, her name's Michelle Krebs, and she said that there aren't many Mitsubishi dealers, which yep. I agree there isn't. There's not. Uh, and they don't have a very loud voice in the advertising world. She also noted that Mitsubishi, but I feel like I'm saying it weird, Mitsubishi, <laughs> <laughs> they uh, tend to have lower than average credit scores, and many have been priced out of the auto market. Oh, wow. So I think that if you are out there in the market and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, but I think that we're going to start seeing the used market kind of skyrocket here in the next couple of months, probably even in a year or two. Mm -hmm. So if you are out there looking for a vehicle and um, you're wanting a better deal on something that you feel a little more comfortable on, I feel like the used market is going to be flooded. It has definitely swung in the consumers favor and the last several years it's been in the dealer's favor big time yeah i mean they've been able to pretty much dictate when you get it what options you get how much you're going to spend and they have not had to yield on it or negotiate with you at all and those days are still there to a certain extent but it is it is starting the pendulum is starting to swing back for us as consumers and I'll give you an example. You know, I didn't buy a new truck here a few months ago. I right. bought a new-to-me truck. Had 105000 on it. I've already rolled it over. It's at like 108 now, and that's not been that long ago. 
um, and it's had a trailer hooked to it most of its uh, mileage that I've had it. But they, uh, Jimmy Mitchell's and Aurora was who I dealt with. Uh, they did a great job. They didn't give me any special treatment. But we were able to negotiate on that vehicle a little bit because it had some issues I needed to work out. Because I had looked it over, I was able to go back and say, hey, this is what I know. And so we were able to figure out what we and they were going to do about it. And we were able to come to a deal. So it's one of those deals that I spent probably, and I talked about it for years. You were probably sick of hearing about it um, by the time I finally pulled the trigger on one. Would I have loved to buy a brand new one? Sure. But... I basically bought this one for half of what I would have bought a brand new one for with the similar or same trim package that was on it. So it fit me a lot better financially wise to go that route as right. well as it pulls like a friggin' banshee out there, which I love. Turbos make me happy. Have you ever driven anything with a turbo? Oh, you did drive some I did have turbo. some. Yep. So now that was you, the downfall of my car. Well, that's true, but <laughs> it gave you many years of good service. It did, yes. And I miss How it. How do you feel about you're driving a vehicle now that doesn't have a turbo? Can you tell the difference? Oh my gosh, yes. It does not have the get up. I yeah. feel like I'm always having to mash yes. on the gas pedal to yeah. get it where I'm going. The turbo is uh, very, uh, puts a smile on your face. Or at least it does for Yeah, me. I do miss my little Chevy Cruze. Yeah. I miss the red. I miss, uh, I feel like it had a lot more room than the car that I'm in now. Yes. I think it I did. I had no idea until I think you were having some some battery problems here and i'd heard you talk about the uh like cargo area mm -hmm. and you thought i was being dramatic I, a little bit a little <laughs> bit i'll just be honest i was like oh how bad could it be and then you we were getting like some your toolkit out if i remember right i'm like there's no room back here i know like what happened here i know well yesterday i had to go to <laughs> i've been driving it so uh i've been doing that long-term yeah. rental so i've been kind of balancing between two vehicles mm -hmm. here recently so i decided that i was going to drive my personal car for a couple of days just to get it out and about yeah, you know it needs but, to be yeah worked. yeah so i decided that i was going to do that and i went to sam's club and i bought uh toilet paper and diapers and that and was it huh that i fit the toilet paper in the back oh of my, my little i i wouldn't even call it trunk it's I don't, not it, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what you yeah. call it i i was like shocked and disappointed at the same time i'm like man She's not, uh, you yeah. know, embellishing at all. There's I'm, no room back here. There's a lot of things that I am a liar. It's not one of them. <laughs> no, not even a little bit. But seeing it really made it real. I was like, yeah, this is kind of BS here. Yes. And the reason I bought that vehicle is because going back to what we were uh -huh. just talking about, I didn't have the money to buy a new vehicle. Yeah. And uh, the used market, it was insane. Mm -hmm. And I was in a situation where I needed a new vehicle relatively soon. Yep. Uh, I didn't have to go out and buy one that day, but I, I had my days numbered. Yeah. And um, I'm telling you, I dealt with some just real shoddy dealership mm -hmm. experiences. You know, yes. they were not great. They were selling vehicles literally out from under me as I was test yeah. driving them. Yeah, Seriously. I remember that. And uh, so it was one of those situations where this car, it had a good uh, pre-purchase inspection. It had low mileage and it had some of the check marks. So mm -hmm. I went with it. But sometimes it is really good if you can hold off to do that. So you have more availability. And I think we're going to start seeing that soon. Oh, yeah. Patience and, and pulling the emotions out of that experience is really important because if not, you'll pay for it later. But... We do need to step into another break. You're listening to Springfield's Talk, 1041 KSGF. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution. 
custom car care. All right, welcome back. We got just a little bit of time left. You got Sarah and Dustin A1 Custom Car Care. I guess we're talking about the used car market at this point in time. Um, definitely coming back in your favor. I spent, uh, talking about being non-emotional about it, I bet about three years, I would say, that I was talking about getting a new truck. Yeah. New to me truck. Um, so I was very patient. Uh, I found a lot of trucks I loved for like 60 and 80 grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's used, by the way. Um, yeah. 60 and 80 grand. That is insane to me. So well, some, some of the boxes I needed to check were very expensive boxes. I needed to be able to tow right. very good. And I really kind of wanted four-wheel drive. And I wanted something kind of comfortable for Stacy and the wee ones to be in there. Can I ask you a personal yeah. question? Feel free to not answer it. How, what is your payment on that? Do you uh, have a payment? Seven seventy a month. Oh, so you're in that average. I'm, in, I'm smack dab in that <laughs> average. Yeah, because we talked about, I guess it was a couple weeks ago, that the mm-hmm. average uh, vehicle payment went up to yeah. like seven seventy five or yep. something like that. And then there are people out there paying over a thousand dollars a month. That is insane to me. Yeah. So on with that being said, did I look at some of those? Sure. And then when I figured the payment on it, it like the truck that I built that I, you know, checked all the boxes at Ford, it was twelve hundred a month. Wow. And I was just like, Man, I you know, could I maybe, but no, not doing that. Yeah, you don't leave yourself a lot of room. Yeah. So we had uh, when we bought our place, we had financed, we went down here to the tractor barn, talked with Terry. Terry's awesome. I really think a lot of that lady. Um, I had a deal made with uh, a orange tractor dealership north of Springfield, and I just didn't get very good service over the phone before I went to see him. And so before I drove up there, I thought, well, I'll just call local. They're closer. Mm-hmm. So if I need service or parts, I you know I won't have to drive any too far. And I happened to get Terry on the phone and she won me over immediately. And it wasn't one of those things where like you set the bar high over the phone and then you show up there and it was like a, you know, complete opposite. Terry was available. She answered all my questions. She even advised and coached. She wanted to know like the kind of property that I had and what I was going to do with it and said, Hey, this is, this would be a better option for you. This is what you get out of this sacrifice, et cetera. So long story short, it was the service that I really actually went to, uh, which Terry did an amazing job. And long story short, that tractor is just about finally paid off. So in our budget, uh, I was able to get into that $770 a month payment and, uh, you know, basically trade what I was paying for the tractor for a truck. I was able to buy the truck, or I'm sorry, I was able to buy the tractor because I looked at the trucks that I had at the time, they were all paid off. And I I basically made a call that, hey, I believe I can keep these trucks going uh, with repairs and maintenance long enough for me to accept or get on board with my budget for a tractor. And so I took what normally I would just have gone to a newer vehicle and allocate that money. I think for, I think the note was like seven years. I think I'm going to pay it off a year early. Um, At the end of this year, it'll be paid off. But long story short, essentially, I was able to add a piece of equipment to my arsenal of ability of making my life easier, that it's easier to run a tractor than it is a shovel, um, because I was able to depend on the trucks that I had for roughly the next six years to get that tractor paid off before I was going to have to invest in another truck. And that's, I guess, where my mindset comes from a lot when I'm dealing with you folks as well. 
that most people out there that don't take care of their vehicle or don't invest in it, they drive it from payment to new payment. So they never like own it. it. You know, it's almost like you rent it. And by the time you're done paying it off, it's so clapped out and in bad shape that you can't do anything with it. It's not worth anything and you can't continue driving it. So you go from truck payment or car payment to truck payment or car payment. Well, what I want to do a little bit different is I want the return on investment. Everybody talks about the depreciation that, oh, the moment you drive it off the lot, it's worth a third less or whatever. Well, the flip side of that is true as well. Yeah, do I want to buy a new pickup one of these days? Sure. Will it depreciate very quickly when I drive it off the lot? Sure. Will I get several, if not many, paid off years after those vehicles have been paid off? which is where I make up for the return on investment because I took care of the vehicle. If you guys think I'm preaching whatever, fine. But this is a reality, and this is how I work, as well as a lot of my loved ones, family, and a lot of the folks that come into A1 Custom. I've worked on their vehicles for decades at this point, and they're still worth something. Arguably, some of those older vehicles are now worth more than what they sold for new You look at buying some of the square body Chevys out there or some of the first, second, and third gen Dodges. I don't love on my Dodge folks as much as I should. I I Honestly, I kind of throw some schmear your way, some mud your way. Uh, Some of it, uh, Dodge, you earned, by the way. But you look at the first, second, and third gen Dodges. um, Those things are bringing more money now than what they sold for in 1994. And if they didn't make one in 94, sorry, 95 or six, whatever the first year that the Cummins was put in a truck, I think it was 94, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's fine. It's not going to hurt my feelings at all. Some of those trucks are bringing 10, 12, 15, 20 grand and they're, they need work and they're bringing that kind of money. So point being is that's where you get your money back. It's not always there, you know, there's a yin and a yang to everything And if I can drive my vehicle, you know, say, let's be conservative, say five to seven years after it's paid off, let's uh, allocate $2,000 a year for repairs and maintenance. Some years it'll be more and some years it'll be less. Um, Then I can hopefully, if I'm somewhat managing a budget, and I am definitely not the person to, I'm not great at budgets, but this is kind of what I'm sharing with y'all. If I can take that truck payment money, and I can put it towards a boat or a tractor or put it in a savings account or allocate that additional money towards my house payment, how much quicker does that accelerate my ability to um, make my life better, okay? So most of us out there probably either have spent their entire life and are now retired. Uh, Congratulations if you're retired and doing well, by the way. Or you're working the daily grind to pay for your house or your vehicle, your car. Well, hopefully at some point you get to the point where you can either invest in things that improve your life, whether it's enjoyment or it's uh, more practical, if you will. So not everybody needs a tractor, but we got a little bit of property. We raise some of our own food. I raise as much of our own food as I possibly can. And the tractor... The investment in the tractor or the increase in my abilities to do certain tasks was more than worth what the tractor cost. 
So do I use it every day or even every week? No, I don't. But having that ability when I need it takes a job that would have taken me a weekend or sometimes longer and allowed it even either into minutes or hours and it didn't kill my body, okay? As I get older, I realize how important that is and you need to take good care of yourself. And if I can trade some of my fiat currency for something that increases my ability and decreases the strain or time, time is something that we never get back and I didn't realize how quickly time goes, then I'm gonna do it. If I can get a tool, the right tool for the right job, I don't want to say I don't care what it costs, but I don't care what it costs. And it's not because I'm independently wealthy and I do automotive repair for fun. I do love it, by the way. But I I do it um, to exist. I do it and I do do something that I love. I hope you guys out there as well. But it's a means to an end. I don't want to be the guy that works 80 hours on a job if I had a tool or a piece of equipment that allowed me to do it in say 15 hours. And you know, you can fill in the blank. I'm just kind of drawing a parody here. There's a lot of folks, and even when I was younger, I thought, oh, I put in all this time and this effort and I worked my tail off, which is very important, not beating any of that up. But the older that I've gotten, the smarter hopefully that I've decided that I'm going to work. So where when I was very young and didn't have you know, anything to even, you know, speak of. If I needed to dig a trench, I was out there with a pick and shovel and I did it in a rock bar because we live in Missouri. Um, Now, it doesn't make any sense to spend all that manual effort, labor, and time if a piece of equipment will do it better. So now I'm going to hook the backhoe portion to the tractor and I'm going to dig and do what I need to do with it. In minutes sometimes, if not hours. I mean, I have done some trenches here in Missouri where even the backhoe I was dealing with didn't work uh, through the rock. It wasn't quite enough. But my point being is I'm not tied to a constant trucker car payment. And we get many thousands of miles or hundreds of thousands of miles out of our vehicle. That's not trouble-free miles, by the way. Uh, I know I, we talked either in this show or the last show um, about some of our personal issues. We recently had an alternator failure on one of our fleets for the kids. I personally had a transmission that, uh, in my service truck that needed some attention. We were able to get that back going, but those are all pieces of equipment in our household or our fleet that we have been able to drive 100, 200, 300, 400. I haven't eclipsed the 500,000 mile mark in anything yet. The closest that I am right now, I have a 03 Ford Excursion that, uh, if I remember correctly, it's at 447,000 miles, original engine, original transmission. Have we put injectors in it? Yes, we have. Um, Have we done some oil leak repairs, oil coolers, uh, chassis work? Obviously, yes. That that didn't happen without any love. Um, But I'm working to eclipse that 500,000 mile mark. And it's not just me. I don't want this to be just about me per se. Um, I've got a tech. Him and I have worked together probably 20 years now. Um, He's been with our company, I think, since he was like 16 or 18 Um, So he's probably working mid-30s. He's probably been with us 32 to 34 years, I would say. Uh, He personally, I know his personal daily commuter is over 500,000. Now, I think last year we did do a refresh on an engine and put an engine in that truck. 
Um, but it is a uh, early 2000s 5.3 LS Chevy. So when I talk about having the depth or experience in some of these fleets out there, or, you know, when I talk about fleets, I mean, when you've got kids and whatnot going on, you pretty much have a small fleet, by the way. Um, so as I look at, you know, some of our technicians even, it really shows the the depth that they understand some of these vehicles out there because their personal ones are a testimonial to how well they can keep these vehicles on the road and how many years that I watch them drive these vehicles with dependable service. It really is, um, it's really cool, to be honest. We have a uh, six-liter, two-wheel drive, three-quarter ton Chevy, and I know that's got well over 400,000 of hard-fought miles. Believe it or not, we're out of show, man. We're out of show. I Time know. flies. It really does. Well, if you're out there in Radio Land, you have a question or a comment Please for us. send it to us. Yes, text us. Our text line is 417-447-5743. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Be safe. Bye.